Part One of A World Without a Child from Visions by Colson Kernahan. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by David Leeson. A World Without a Child. Proem. The night of New Year's Eve had come, and I stood under the stars in a garden brimmed with white moonlight and set around with trees. In the garden all was still, and the sky was clear overhead, but low down on the horizon night was plying her spindle, weaving floating and fleecy cloud-flax into the dark fabric of cloud-curtains, to be drawn ere long around the sleeping-place of the moon. As a veil of fine lawn might cover a girl's face, so suddenly a wisp of white cloud-rack drifted across the moon. I say across the moon, but so undimmed was her splendor that one might have supposed the veil had been draped about her face instead of drawn across it. As metal is cut by a die, as flesh is cut by a knife, so the moving mist seemed to be cut through as it met the moon's edge and so sharp was the severance that when the cloud-rack which aureoled the moon was suddenly stained luminous cinnamon as a cloth is stained amber or topaz by spilt wine as the clothing of a duelist is stained crimson by a wound it seemed to me as if the white cloud-rack were stained with the ebbing of its own blood suddenly faint and far wind-borne upon the breeze came the first chime of a church-bell striking the hour the old year was irrevocably gone, a year of sin and shame and cowardice, of mean aims, mean acts, mean defeats, and meaner triumphs. Looking back upon the track I had trodden, it seemed to me like some slimy serpent trail upon the face of God's fair world. I could not bear to think of it, and as an archer wings a shaft into the blue, so I strove to wing my thoughts, arrow-wise, into the as yet unstained future. I looked upon that future as a traveller standing upon a hill looks at dawn upon a far stretch of unknown country. As to-morrow, and the days of the week which lie before us, differ not greatly from yesterday and the days of the week that have just gone, so to the traveller, the face of the landscape before him, fields and lanes and highways, with here and there a common, and here and there a church, is not unlike the face of the landscape through which he has just passed. In the immediate future there is no menace of that unknown which is always the dreaded. But beyond this near stretch of country the traveller realizes that, hidden in mists he cannot pierce, lies a strange and unknown land. And looking into the year that lay before me, I fancied that, glittering above the smoking plain, I caught a glimpse of the towers and pinnacles of a great city. The next moment towers and pinnacles were gone, and I saw only a desolate land of dark, the shadows of bare rock and brooding mountain, and, beyond the mist, the utter loneliness of the sea. The coming year! Oh, God! I cried. What holds it for me of good or evil? Shall my feet indeed tread the streets of some city of light which I have seen miraged only in my dreams? Or shall they lead me to the sullen shore of death's inexorable sea? But on the night there came no answer save the answer of my own soul. To all men, even to the impure, God gives the gift of memory. But the memory of the impure is like an opaque-backed mirror hung on a wall. It shows only what lies behind. 
but sometimes to those who are crystal pure of heart god gives in place of memory's mirror a magic glass as crystal pure even as their hearts a glass in which may be seen not only the mirrored picture of what lies behind but also of what lies before these are they whom men call poets and prophets and of all men they most resemble god inasmuch as in a measure they share the power to foresee what is to come as well as to remember what is past these are the pure in heart and thou art not as they therefore to look into the future is denied thee look back upon thy past thou mayest for the past lies hidden in thine own thoughts but the future lies hidden in the thoughts of god and into the thoughts of god the impure of heart may never see part one one that night as i slept i had a dream of the future it seemed to be looking upon london as it will be a hundred years hence changes had come about of necessity changes in methods of locomotion changes in costume changes in many public buildings and public streets except however for the fact that parks and pleasure grounds had multiplied on every side the london on which i looked was not greatly different from the london of to-day one change however attracted my attention many churches and chapels had entirely disappeared and most of those which remained seemed to have lost their sacred character at one time these churches had been among the most distinctive buildings in every quarter but now wherever one looked huge palaces of entertainment or refreshment sought if only by their very bulk to shoulder all other buildings out of sight colossal of scale superbly proportioned these palaces of delight dominated the place in which they stood as a pyramid dominates its immediate surroundings in the desert upon them had been lavished all the imaginings of the architect all the magnificence of design and decoration which art could conceive and money buy nor did these splendors go unappreciated sunday though i knew the day to be the theatres and music-halls were open and filled to overcrowding in the cafes restaurants and drinking-places gaily dressed throngs lounged smoking or sipping the nectar of rare wines and liqueurs bands played in the public squares and in the parks and open spaces games of skill and strength were watched by eager crowds i remember however that what i most missed in this new world thus given up to pleasure and delight was the laughter of little children children there were but only a few and their faces seemed to have lost something of the freshness of childhood it often happens that when youth and maiden man and woman love god and love each other so purely that they take no thought of aught but of god and of their love god takes thought for their children that they be straight and strong and very beautiful but when the man and the woman make not love their world but the world their love either delaying marriage till youth be gone lest by living simply they lose something of ease and comfort or if they marry hoping that their union be childless lest the dear and lovely burden of babyhood a burden which no true woman would willingly forego lie upon a bosom which but for that burden had been bared not to the sweet pressure of baby lips and fingers but to the eyes of partners in a dance of fellow-guests at a dinner or of utter strangers in a theatre 
when those who love thus take thought to evade love's sacred obligation take thought of money and position and worldly pleasure it often happens that upon the faces of their children if children come is to be seen something of the aging anxiousness which had filled the thoughts of their parents the faces of the children upon whom i was now looking seemed to me strangely worn and wizened they were like the faces of the children of the old wondering at all this i walked slowly on and before long found myself approaching st paul's when last i had seen the great cathedral hemmed in as it was among mean surroundings of mart and shop and warehouse i had likened it in my mind to some magnificent tropical plant the seed of which had chanced to drop among rank and closely growing weeds and so in the struggle for existence had been compelled to tower above its fellows that thereby it might thrust upward to the light and to the sun the purple closed flower of its dome now i was rejoiced to see it surrounded by spacious grounds for these baser growths had been swept away and bowl and branch and blossom stood open to the sky as i drew near i heard coming from within the sound of cheers and laughter and stamping feet and a venerable old man still hale of body and with the light of undimmed intellect flashing in his eyes was coming from the portal his face ablaze with wrath as he shook off as it were the very dust of the place from his shoes to him i addressed myself sir what means this unseemly disturbance in the house of god i am but newly arrived in this country and in this city after an absence of many many years and the sights i see the sounds i hear but most of all this sacrilegious uproar coming from the nation's house of prayer make me ask myself what change has come to christian england that such things can be on the day of rest your absence must indeed have been long and your wanderings far and many he made answer with sad courtesy if you know not of the changes that have come about in england and in europe this many a year if your object be but to mock an old man's grief at the godlessness that has spread like a canker in this city and in this nation i pray you to stand aside and let me pass sir i said believe me that i am one who has so long been dead to the world which once i knew that all i see around me is strange and unfamiliar that which i ask you i ask in all sincerity what means then this unseemly disturbance in god's house and on god's day did god dwell in houses builded of men he might often go homeless in england to-day was the answer know ye not that save for a faithful few the setting apart of one day in the week for the worship of god has long ceased in this country even as what were once houses of prayer have now been converted to the people's use as places of entertainment or palaces of delight has this country no national religion then i asked none was the reply england of to-day is divided into two great parties the pleasurists and the pessimists the former preach the familiar doctrine eat drink and be merry for to-morrow we die they acknowledge no responsibility to any supreme being nor to posterity declaring that each is here to find in life what pleasure he can the pessimists on the other hand preach as of old that this is the worst of all possible worlds 
they denounce it as a crime to bring a child into a world where all must of necessity suffer pain of body and fear of mind until called on to undergo the final mind agony and body pangs of death suicide they hold to be no sin since the sooner the human race comes to an end the better for all concerned whether one be a pleasurist or pessimist is very much a question of temperament or of health and matters very little in the end since each is equally godless in life is this then the reason why i see so few children and that the few i see look as if they no longer knew all men and women even the veriest stranger to be the little one's lover and friend and sadly the old man made answer very lovely is the confidence of childhood we do well to speak of king baby for the right by which a little child shall rule is a diviner sweeter right and sanctity than ever was accorded to kings it is the unalienable right the royal prerogative of every child to come into this world assured that its coming will set joy-bells of the heart a-ringing ere that child came to earth god stooped to take into his arms the tiny image of himself to breathe between the little lips the breath of his own life to set upon the baby brow the kiss of which dreaming children think when suddenly they smile in their sleep then with infinite tenderness he laid the little flower-like form in the hands of an angel kneeling to receive the precious burden out of god's hands and the hands of god's angels in heaven thou shalt pass into the care of god's angels on earth thou shalt enter the world speeded of god and tended by the hands of god's dear women even as when thou leavest it god's dear women shall tend thee to the last and god and his son thy saviour shall wait to welcome thy return go forth little one and may thy coming make glad the hearts of women and men for i have sent thee i am with thee go Two. the old man's voice broke and with pity that was wrathful and wrath that was pitiful he cried and now the little children whom god has sent are no longer welcome in a world given up to selfish seeking after pleasure and after vanity i say not that the world has grown worse in all respects many evils which i remember disfigure the face of civilization no more crime is in many if not most cases the result of upbringing and surroundings society saw this and seeing too that crime was a menace to herself society for her own protection so ordered things that the incentives to crime are gone therein is the world the better and therein am i grateful and glad but my gladness and my gratitude cannot make me forget the fact that the world has grown christless and godless it is nigh a hundred years ago since the change began till then religion though the world was slowly becoming secularized and faith in revealed religion was on the wane was still a power in the land but inch by inch secularism gained ground at first only in the great cities then like some huge octopus she stretched forth her tentacles to the towns making wherever she established herself new centres from which stealthily to protrude 
shrewd fingers that as they neared a victim shot out suddenly into interminably extended arms till at last she laid hold on the villages and finally sprawled herself obscenely over the land sucking leech-like at the life-blood of the nation crushing religion cobra-wise in her folds and suffocating faith by her voided slime all this took long to accomplish and possibly secularism had not throttled religion in england thus easily had not other causes contributed to the same end during the first quarter of the twentieth century there came to this country a season of unprecedented prosperity trade throve as trade had never thriven before money accumulated on all hands and at such a rate that some of those whose tempers had once been soured and their faces sharpened by the constant and irking need of money at last became newly sharpened of feature and temper because they could not fast enough devise new pleasures upon which to squander their wealth at first the sudden influx of money into the land and the consequent cessation of the necessity to work brought no ill effects in its train the mass of the people abandoned themselves it is true to the pursuit of pleasure but the pleasure-seeking took a healthy turn field sports and games of every sort were ardently followed those who had formerly spent their days working at a desk serving in a shop or toiling in a factory or warehouse were now for the first time and for a great portion of the day in the fresh air with benefit both to body and to brain our national physique improved and with it our morals but in course of time the reaction came not all at once for to this day those who occupy themselves in games and sports may be reckoned by millions once however let the necessity to work be removed and it is surprising how swiftly the individual or the nation lapses into idleness how inevitably idleness becomes self-indulgence and how easily consistent self-indulgence passes by slow stages first into luxuriousness next into license and finally into vice the people grew more lazy more luxurious more disinclined to bestir themselves every day instead of themselves taking part as of old in the sports they loved they now allowed themselves the luxury of paying other and poorer folk to play these sports for them while they inactive themselves lounged smoking and drinking to look on and so insensibly the manhood of the race softened while the people of england could afford to buy wheat from other lands what need for them to till or to toil in their own fields while they could travel long distances in cars provided with every luxury why trouble themselves to ride or to walk while they could pay chinamen to work their mines lascars to man their ships negroes indians and arabs to fight their battles and other mercenaries to fetch carry cook scrub bake why task themselves unnecessarily their very children the women at last ceased to suckle laying the lips of their little ones to strange breasts and leaving them when older to ayahs to tend and to women of other lands to teach then against childbearing itself the women of england began to rebel 
too long have we borne this heavy and unequal affliction they cried why should god penalize us thus from our birth laying the burden and the suffering upon the weaker sex instead of upon the sex which is strong scarcely are we out of our own childhood before this lifelong humiliation is laid upon us to rack us with ache in brain and limb and body to wound with crueller ache our sensitive and shrinking spirit and to terrify us with the threat of possible anguish to come the psalmist being a man could write merrily of the bridegroom coming rejoicing out of his chamber it was like a man to forget that every woman who of her great love gives herself to wife knows well that it may be her own death sentence which she hears when they two are declared to be man and wife if she bear a child to her husband and bear in safety she is but as one who has been reprieved and has no assurance that a time may not come thereafter when the dread sentence will be carried out from birth to burial the days of a woman are but cycles and seasons of sickness of body and sadness of mind of travail and torture that must be faced with the consciousness that she may never live to look upon the features of the child for whose sake her travail and her torture are born let us make an end of this cruelty of this lifelong iniquity wives we will be if so it pleases us but mothers we will be no more we no less than men have our individual lives to live we have other vocations to follow than the bearing of children at the will of a man or at the bidding of a god of the two who are responsible for the coming of a child one and that one the strong and sturdily framed goes free while the pain and the torture in their entirety are appointed to be the lot of women soft of flesh delicate of frame and exquisitely sensitive to anguish of body and fear of mind mind if god as men assert be responsible for all this and for more than this for if it happen that the child be born out of wedlock once again it is the woman who pays once again the man goes free while upon the woman who haply is more sinned against than sinning the direst and most cruel consequences fall if god as men assert be answerable for all this is it not time that we women dethroned in our hearts the unjust judge and dishonest a portioner of life's good and evil either refusing to believe in a god at all or else setting up in his stead another god of our own to worship if the christ approve this cowardly cruel and iniquitous scheme then say we to the christ by this we know that thou wast but a man with all a man's injustice to women and though thou dost claim to have shared with thy fellow-men all that a man may endure of human suffering yet have we women no part in thee for though thou hast shared all else at least thou hast never shared the heaviness and the anguish of a woman's lot we owe no allegiance to a divinity be he god or be he christ who has doomed unresisting defenceless women to such a lot the right of such an one to sit in judgment upon us thus to sentence us and to cast us untried and unheard into such dungeons of despair we henceforth and forever repudiate and deny three the old man paused white and trembling 
blasphemy such as this one shrinks even from repeating but so it was that many women spoke a century's half ago and so it is that many more speak to-day that the mystery of human suffering and most of all the mystery of woman's suffering gives cause and gives color to their bitterness and even to their blasphemy i who seek the truth may not deny but creed is more often the outcome of conduct than conduct is of creed to decide to disobey god to persist in that disobedience means that you have decided to do without god in your life and when you have decided to put god out of your life you are already an atheist by choice and must not complain if you end in becoming one by conviction so it was with these women of whom i have spoken their denial of god was the result the inevitable result of a godless life even when i was a lad in the second quarter of the twentieth century i remember hearing my father say that the growing godlessness of women was the most appalling sign of the times the women even more than the men had become selfish sensual and worldly i mean not that all women were so for the godly women far outnumbered the ungodly if alas the ungodly outnumber the godly to-day but no fact was so significant, no fact seemed more to menace the end of all things earthly, than the terrible change for the worse which had come over women. Among women of all classes, the drink habit and the drug habit were enormously on the increase. In society, so called, the home life was almost entirely a thing of the past, and the majority of marriages were childless. The women occupied themselves chiefly in card-playing, gambling on race-courses, speculating on the stock exchange, and in wantonness which was all the worse, not because it led, but because it did not lead, to the divorce court. Violation of the marriage vow was so common as scarcely to cause surprise, and men, perhaps because of their evil living, had become too shamelessly craven and complacent to trouble themselves to make an exception by suing for a divorce. Among the women of the middle classes, the semblance of morality and respectability remained, but childbearing had for the most part ceased as of old the man desired a wife as of old the woman desired a husband but whereas of old a marriage was counted to be crowned and made newly holy newly honorable and newly happy by the birth of a child that marriage had come to be counted most fortunate where child there was none and so too among the women who stood lowest in the social scale they also refused to bear children to their husbands and if actual immorality was less common than among the women who constituted society coarseness even shamelessness of speech and action were only too frequent many of them were to be seen with lover or with husband sitting long evenings through in the public-house bandying unclean jests and setting vile slanders afoot about their neighbors when such changes can come about in woman and alas we have gone from bad to worse during the last fifty years one is tempted to think that the end of the world must be nigh at one time the history of religion seemed to be written in the hearts of good women they were the mainstay of morality pity purity and of the spirit of utter selflessness which is to be seen in all its immeasurable majesty in the christ their very sufferings made them nearer to him liker to him than man can ever be 
every woman most of all every mother is by her very nature a christian now one meets everywhere old women young women wives and maidens comely of face and figure soft-voiced friendly seeming the ghost the shadow the mere semblance of what woman once was yet seemingly happy and satisfied and in no way suspecting that the soul of their womanhood is gone who tell you smilingly that christ was a man that god is not that heaven or hereafter there is none i am an old old man but to me even to-day the horror of it is haunting the very words atheist and woman seem to be the very antithesis of each other that a woman might fall might sin was i knew possible but that so long as she drew the breath of life so long as she retained her woman's nature she could deny or defy god seems to me unimaginable such a creature is a monster a contradiction of the name of woman the very apostate of her sex the immorality of her renunciation of motherhood an immorality which is i believe a greater offence against god against humanity against nature and against the nation than that she should be a mother and no wife threatens it is true the very existence of our race but remembering what women are to-day i could go on my knees to thank god that at least such women bear no children again the old man's voice broke and he uplifted eyes and hands in prayer god of hosts lord of childhood look down on this people that corruptly disobey thy primal precept and command thou seest that we are drunken of pleasure eaten up of luxury rotten of ease as were the people of sodom and gomorrah and of ancient rome let there not fall upon us that most terrible of all thy vengeances which thou didst visit upon ephraim of old when thou didst say ephraim is joined to idols let him alone let us not alone great god we pray thee cleanse us of our corruption purge us of our sin even though thou slayest for it is better that god scorch with fire or smite with thunderbolts than that the sinful be left to his sin and be let alone of god for the sake of thy son the lord christ hear us and save us amen in my dream it seemed to me that god made answer saying the prayers of the righteous avail and because even now there are many among this nation who follow after my commandments i will visit upon this people that which shall turn them from their sin it has of old time been decreed that of this world an end should in god's good time be made but whereas man has believed that the world's end should come suddenly and in a moment by fire or slowly by the dying out of life on the face of the earth by cold i who am decree that in another way that end shall be behold now i make barren the womb of the world springtime shall come again but with it shall come no new flower no new bud on bush or on tree springtime shall come again but with it shall come no new bird no new beast no new creature of any kind springtime shall come again but with it shall come no new child henceforth creation and procreation shall cease god has said it and what god has said shall be end of part one of a world without a child